Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to be coming at you from Galena, Illinois, little resort town a couple hours west of Chicago. I'm actually on my much-needed vacation, loving it, and recording this little podcast um, is a really good break for me because I don't consider my podcast work because they're way too fun. Um, but on my trip here, I'm enjoying some serious bonding time with my mom and sister. See, a couple years ago, actually maybe five years ago, my mom said, hey, I really want some time with my daughters who are grown and have families and we never get together. And so we decided that we would make it a priority every year and try to connect. So we did it once. And then three years went by and we didn't connect, during which I had a baby and uh, got even busier. But we have finally committed and every year we are we try to take a few days and go just do some girl time, which is so fun. And I encourage any of you who have families that you that it's very difficult to connect with, that you just freaking make it happen because there is no way to do it unless you just do it. So anyway... I um I am still very excited, as I said, to share with you this amazing, amazing interview. Um, this is episode 14 of Run This World with a woman named Shiz Garami. Shiz is an Iranian female triathlete. Yes, you heard me right. <laughs> kind of seems like a contradiction, so you're going to hear a lot about that today. I met her through a mutual friend, a woman named Chrissy Wellington, who's a multiple Hawaii Ironman world champion. Uh, Chrissy has a huge passion and interest in helping women around the world overcome barriers through sport. And Chrissy connected me to Shiz because Shiz is doing the Hawaii Ironman this year. And she has, she needs to find a clothing solution that aligns with her cultural and religious beliefs that she will be able to function in the Hawaii heat and, uh, you know, climate there. So we were talking about clothing for quite some time. And then I said, well, you know what? I just need to interview you in general because you're so interesting. So we took some time to talk about all sorts of issues that women face in life and sport and specifically those cultural barriers that I mentioned that seem insurmountable that for so many women stop them from even taking the first step. In Shiz's case, from growing up in Iran to being taken hostage on a hiking trip with friends, um, which we don't talk about in the podcast, but I encourage you to listen to her TEDx talk, and she'll uh, explain more about that on, on there. You can find all that information in the show notes on NicoleDeBoom.com, by the way. Um, to uh, we, we discussed finding triathlon while she lived in London, to preparing for this year's Hawaii Ironman. You will find and and really understand that she's such a beautiful, calming, strong, inspired person with a beautiful outlook on life. So with that, 
I am going to move ahead and bring this woman on because I truly believe that you will feel incredibly inspired and motivated after hearing her. So let's get it rolling. All right. Welcome everyone to episode 14 of Run This World with my very special guest, Shiz Garami. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) She's really not shy. I just didn't tell her I was going to leave her hanging there. Um, Shiz, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nicole. Um, You are, are you in, uh, you're in London now, aren't you? I am in London, yes. Yes, and we had a serious time zone issue when we were trying to set this up. So I appreciate all your time because you are a busy woman tackling huge things in this world. And I can't wait to dig into those today here. (laughs) I'm not tackling big things, but happy to talk to you. (laughs) You know what? That's what humble people always say. So I actually want to start with your background because most of our listeners probably don't know anything about you. And if they do, they need to know more. So I'd love to learn. Actually, let me backtrack. We were actually brought together by a mutual friend of ours, a woman named Chrissy Wellington. Uh, Chrissy is a former Hawaii Ironman world champion, and she's a human rights activist around the world. She's doing all kinds of cool international development work and has a a huge passion for helping women succeed in this world. So I, you know, that's how we were brought together. And I knew that it had to do something with triathlon. So what I'd like to do is leave people hanging for a minute here, knowing that you at some point got involved in the sport of triathlon and maybe let you share a little bit of your background and tell your story about how we're connecting today. Um, Well, if you want to know how I connected with Chrissy, I think the start of when I went a little bit crazy. Um, I was at the time in London and I decided to represent Iran in triathlons. And I'd kind of been working on it for a few months and I'd wrote several emails and gazillion phone calls and I was still none the wiser on whether I'd get permission or not. And then someone had mentioned Chrissy to me and what her work does and so I just googled her online to see who she is and kind of started reading about her and I really really liked her values and I liked the the things that she was trying to promote and I went onto her Twitter account and realized that she was doing a run in Hyde Park to promote sports and I said I have no idea why I have no idea how but let's just go and meet Chrissy. So I just went to Hyde Park. She was doing like a 10k run around, and I was trying to test out my clothes for the upcoming race that I hope to race um, as Iran's representative. And it was this beautiful summer's day, and all I could find was hot black thermal winter clothes, and everyone was in their shorts and tops, and I was with a buff on top and all my winter layers on, and I was heaving and huffing and puffing, and at the very end, having my eyes and Chrissy trying to corner her, yet being too shy to go up and speak to her, Um, and towards the end, she just looks at me, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb, and she says, do you want to speak to me? And I tell her about what I'm trying to do. 
And she was just absolutely wonderful from the word go. And she put me in touch with a few people who eventually down the line helped me get permission to represent Iran in my first race. Wow. That's how we initially met, very randomly. (laughs) To which I went home and my friend, dear friend who I was living with at the time, said, surely you just don't find on Twitter someone somewhere there and you go chasing after them. And I said, well, that's what I did. (laughs) Well, it was sort of um, safe stalking. How about that? (laughs) Um, so, uh, So your clothing requirements as a representative of Iran are different than, you know, at least in the United States or in, in Great Britain. So maybe explain what you were looking for with clothing. Well, to represent Iran, you have to abide to the rules and regulations. And the rules and regulations of Iran for women is that they have to cover, you know, head, neck, hair, and up to the wrists and ankles. And the triathlon clothes clearly aren't quite accommodating for that. So the idea was to find clothes that would abide to the rules and regulations at the same time enable me to race in triathlons. So so you've been on a hunt to find the right outfit for your training and racing ever since. Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it a hunt. But it's definitely been a path that I've found myself on quite unexpectedly. It's kind of the idea that as a woman, right now, there's, at least with a spectrum of the way we women clothe ourselves, which is a huge spectrum, there's a lot of women who won't be comfortable wearing the tight, tiny clothes required in triathlons. And it made me think that if I could find a solution that kind of embodies more comfort zones of clothes, the best way I can describe it, then hopefully it would open the door for other women to also participate in triathlons. Well, it's true. Um, maybe, Maybe we should backtrack a little bit and talk about how you got into triathlon in the first place. Kind of a background to myself, I suppose, which is one of the questions you asked me to begin with. Um, Iranian. Um, I was born in Iran and I've moved around in various different countries and have lived in different environments. And I found myself in the UK for the past few years. And I think I was first properly introduced to sports when I moved to the UK during the years that I lived in Iran. There really wasn't, I wasn't at least introduced to a culture of sports. And when I moved to the UK and first at school and then at university, I was slowly kind of wooed into this beautiful feel of running and then swimming and then cycling and rowing. And I loved it. I loved the way it energizes. I loved the confidence it gives. I loved the way you're um, in one with nature and all the lessons that it teaches you which roll over to other dimensions in life. I think the the peak for me was my final year at university when kind of having now done a little bit of running and kind of into my yoga and into kind of hiking, etc., 
Um, I looked at the triathletes and they seemed far too fit and far too amazing and far beyond my reach. And I wondered if little mini me could ever do a triathlon. I think it kind of started with a, of course I can't, but I'm just going to go there anyhow. Um, I love that that mentality. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the very first bike ride that I went, I didn't have a bike, so I borrowed one from my housemate which was a hybrid but it had these thin wheels which I'd never ridden on before and it was going so fast that I was braking whilst pedaling um and I joined the triathlon club for the first ride and it's this what seemed to be at the time this huge hill that we had to conquer at the very beginning of the ride and everyone shooted up the hill and I did like a few pedals and I couldn't cope. So I just got off my bike and walked my bikes up the hill and just saw the facial expression of the guy in charge of the cycle ride thinking, what am I going to deal with this entire ride? <laughs> and I had to walk my bike up initially up many, many, many hills. But I was like, no, I need to do this ride. I've signed up and I have to do it. <laughs> it started like that, really. And it wasn't really kind of, if it was for the sporting capability, after that first bike ride, I'm sure to have given up. But it was more the amazing people that I met, the amazing friends that I made, the beautiful energy around them that attracted me to them, which is really what kept me going back to the training sessions, even though I could barely do them at the time. You know, I think so many people can relate to this idea of walking up hills It can be in a race or it can be in other things you do in life, but you know, it it gets tough out there no matter what it is. And some people just get off stop and wait for the sag wagon to bring them home, but you kept going. And it seems like with a really good attitude. I don't know. (laughs) I just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you do have a very positive and optimistic outlook, but I think you're right too about the idea that you often need another factor to say you finish that bike ride, that first one. Well, what would ever make you want to do it again? Because you just had to go through something very, very difficult, somewhat humbling, right? But you mentioned it was the people and how important these relationships are that you've, you know, figured out exist in sport. You know, and I've I've thought a bit, too, about your background and how you said when you were a kid, sports weren't really available to women. Why do you think that it is culturally? um, I'm not saying specifically to women, but I think it just wasn't like no one in my family was into sports or still is into sports, really. Why? I can't tell you. As a woman during the few years that I lived in Iran, it there was definitely more restrictions than for boys, but the culture just wasn't there. It's really interesting because I'm sure it's very common at any given moment to look out the window and see someone running down the street or the sidewalk or in the park nearby where you live now, right? Absolutely. Yep. And I've traveled around the world too. And in various places, it's either not safe or it's not like the roads are too dangerous or there's bad pollution or it's just culturally not quite, it's not even that it's not acceptable. It's just not available. It's just not part of the culture to put a huge priority on fitness. 
in a way, it's been a privilege for me to have lived amongst different cultures and been amongst different people. I mean, to have discovered this huge treasure called sports. Um, it made, and that kind of having come after many years and I'm now doing sports and it's an integral part of my life and I'm loving it and it's, it's, it's my lifestyle just kind of as a pure hobby, of course, but it's kind of beside work, it's that joy of going to the pool and the weekends away, swimming and cycling and racing and just hanging out with my triathlon mates. And one day it was this realization of how privileged I am to have this in my life, yet I'm taking it for granted, whereas I know very well that had I been in Iran, I would have never tasted this, I would have never had this in my life. And in a way it became my way of expressing gratitude for this biggest blessing that has manifested itself in my life by sharing it with another culture that is so dear to me, with another set of people that I love immensely, so that maybe they too can taste sports and have the privilege of incorporating sports into their lives. You know, I, you're, I love this about you. Because a lot of people don't appreciate where they are until after they've been through it. Then they look back and appreciate it. And so this is a true gift that you can appreciate where you are today. One of the other things you had mentioned was, um, you know, when you, in the very beginning here, we kind of went right to the present, which was you're going to represent Iran in a world championships, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you said, okay, so what are the requirements? The clothing has to have a certain requirement. And you realized that clothing was the only reason that women were limited in sport. And I think that's a really powerful thing because that seems like something so simple. Like we could easily just make that change today, couldn't we? When I first called, all I was told is that it's not possible. And then I had to say, but why is it not possible? And they said, because we don't support women. And I said, but why aren't women supported? Because it's sensitive. Why is it sensitive? And the first thing that I could grasp was clothes. And I said, well, if clothes... And I think we as humans are much greater than our surface area. And we as humans have been able to go to the moon and to Mars, not physically, but at least our machines. But, you know, we could do such wonderful, great things. We can fly, we can go under the water. Just a tiny piece of fabric for that to be my barrier towards um, sport participation, that didn't make sense to me. I live in the hope that if we bring together the correct expertise and skills and knowledge and technology, which really does exist, I really believe that there is no doubt a solution for having clothes that cover one yet allows one to perform in sports. I love this concept of asking why. So many people probably just didn't ask why, but you asked about five whys in a row and you got to the point where you said, well, it's simple then. I can... I can find a solution to this. There's power in asking why. Or being a child. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I would have to say you're a very strong child. <laughs> you're a very strong person, strong woman. And, uh, and I love if we can all keep a little bit of our inner child throughout our lives, we should do that. Um, but I know you've been through some tough things to get, to get where you are. So I watched your TED Talk, and I'm going to recommend to everybody who's listening to go on and watch Shiz's TED Talk. I'll, set, I'll put the link in the show notes so they can check it out. Um, and I, you know, I heard some pretty, pretty, really extreme stories. So, you know, I'm just wondering what you think is the toughest thing you've been through that has shaped you the most as a person today. Discovering and overcoming my own barriers. And tell me more about that. I find it's easier to look outside and say that's a problem, but it's considerably more difficult to look inside and say probably the problem is here within me. There's the saying that smile in the world will smile at you. It's kind of allowing yourself to wholeheartedly smile within and then the world will smile. And I think it's the hardest thing is overcoming that barrier within to allow yourself to smile and to love, if it were. It's true. Very true. It's really tapping into who you are on the inside and having that strength to to accept yourself. I mean, for one, I could have, like using the example we've used previously, I could have kind of listened to them saying no and said fine and said, ah, oh, but the external factor didn't allow me to represent Iran. Or I could have flipped it and said, but why? And I could have tried to look within me and say, is there something wrong within? Is there something preventing me within from representing? If it's clothes, is it because I'm not working hard in them? Is it because I'm thinking it's not solvable, therefore not going for a solution? Is it because I'm not strong to walk up that hill and therefore I need to work in myself and my strength to finally be able to bike up hills and not walk my bike up hills, if it were? So I think all barriers are within ourselves. That's, uh, that's a really good point. People need to reframe what a barrier is and get rid of uh, thinking that they don't have any control over it. Because we do have control over most things in our lives, at least the way we look at them. I don't know about control. Life <laughs> 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 just throws things at you most unexpectedly. Think a great, a great, great thing that someone once said is life is like a wave. If you resist it, you know, it has the power to break you. But if you just love it and if you play with it and if you go with it, it'll just wash you on a wave, on a surf, onto beautiful shores. So, on that note, I actually want to hear if you're willing to talk about the incident you mentioned in your TED talk about your trip with your friends. Um, I think you did after college and uh, what happened along the way that was something I think very extreme. Most people never experience and how you got through that incident. Oh, this is my mind ticking. Give me some moment. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's okay. I think if we talk about the TED talk, my theme was Esh. And Esh is this really powerful, passionate love 
it's not your ordinary I love a cup of tea it's real passion it's real love it's what makes your heart beat and gives meaning to your life and love burns and love scorches you and it ultimately molds and creates and shapes you into who you are I think what I was trying to say within the talk is that hard experiences have happened and what I found that when I was crumbling and when the world seemed dark and I couldn't find something to cling on to or to love, it always seemed to be nature, it always seemed to be sport that drew me out, the sun that shone in me, the nature that kind of, the wind that kind of breathed in a new life into me. It was the adrenaline of sports, the structure of sports, if it were, that once again made me see light, made me love the world, made me love the people around me. And whatever, you know, and various things happen to various people. We all go through our ups and we all go through our downs. And in a way, it's a privilege to go through these downs. For me, it has been at least, because it brings you out stronger. It brings you out more resolute. It brings you out, as you said yourself, with a new view to the privileges that you've had and you've taken for granted. And it just makes you fall in love more and more so with what you have and who you are and all the people around you and the universe that you're part of. Well, on that note, who would you say is the most influential person in your life so far? <laughs> That's a tough one. I know. That's a tough one. <laughs> there can I be wouldn't... more than one. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to pick one person. For one, every person that we interact with, I think, just leaves their little footprint onto onto one person. Sometimes it's a smile from a stranger on a road and you're feeling really down, that really kind of snaps things around. But I think my grandparents, my family, my mum and my brother, they are definitely one of the most inspirational, um, amazing people I've had in life. Like sometimes it feels that every breath I take, every hill I conquer, every beautiful flower I see, it's a reminder of them. It's my grandpa couldn't see and it was a joy to be able to describe it to him. He couldn't walk and I'd give him my hand to use as a cane and it was a privilege and an honour and it was my dream to one day be strong enough to be able to hold his hand. Yeah, they are definitely some of the most influential people of my life. I know it all often comes down to family. And uh, and many more people, and all you know, people that I've come to know within this journey in different various bits and bobs of my journey, they've just manifested themselves literally in my life. Say Chrissy, the way that just I, you know, ran down to her and said, I have no idea who you are, <laughs> I've just read about you online, and I thought you could help me. And she put me in touch with event with the event organizers. And had it not been with the communication with the event organizers that stemmed into that, um, I would have no doubt never gotten the permission to race. So that in itself is a huge influence in my life and my racing and the way things have evolved since. 
um, she was sort of your little angel um, entree to triathlon, which I love. Let's talk about being a woman starting sport a little later in life. Like you didn't start sports when you were six or 10. You started sports once you got to university level, correct? Yep, more or less. Yep. And how old are you now? I always was and I always will be 18. That's perfect. <laughs> Talk about being a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Carrying your inner child. However, what I want to, you know, roll onto here is that you're doing the Hawaii Ironman this year. And I know you're going to be, I know you're older than 18 because actually I think that's the cutoff is 18. So you really could be 18 doing the Hawaii Ironman, one of the youngest ever. Um, And I think, uh, I think it's a huge testament to your innate talent that you've been able to get this far starting sport later in life. So maybe talk a little bit about your journey as an athlete and what's led you to wanting to tackle the Hawaii Ironman. I think a theme you'll find in this conversation is that nothing is quite planned. Things tend to manifest themselves. (laughs) And the story about Ironman um, kind of has another story in which I was invited to a BBC interview called The Conversation. And I was to have a conversation with another triathlete, an Indi- the first Indian triathlete. Um, and, you know, they told me about her and we agreed to, to have a radio conversation with her. But for some reason, and a reason I still don't know to date, she had to opt out of the the interview and instead Paula Neby Fraser was replaced little did I know at the time so just before the interview they exchanged kind of a brief um, of like who the other person is that we're going to have a conversation with and it's Paula Neby Fraser so I have to google who is Kona Neby Fraser um, and she turned out to be the most wonderful amazing person ever and I kind of loved her from the word from the word go and hello she was sat in her in a studio in South Africa at the time and I was sat in a studio in London and we talked and from there stemmed um a future relationship between us and she really started helping me out in quite a few things and it was Paula who planted the seed of how about doing Iron Man Kona um to which I was like I don't think I can do it. <laughs> but then it was kind of like, I don't think I can walk my bike up the hill. I don't think I could do a triathlon. So instead of saying, I don't think I can do it, I said, well, let's just go with the flow and try and do it. Let's try and train for it and see if I see what comes when Kona comes. So I'm just putting my all in trying to train and be competent enough to do Kona. Wow. So for the anyone listening who doesn't know, Paula is, I believe, six-time Hawaii Ironman World Champion. She was the first perennially great woman in our sport, set world record after world record. And she's from South Africa and is just a legend in triathlon, having raised the bar, which later was broken, as it should be, by Chrissy Wellington. And it's been broken again. Um, And that's what we do. We drive each other to bigger and better outcomes, don't we? Absolutely. 
Wow. So basically the seed was planted and now because of sport, you have retrained your brain from saying, no, I can't do that too. Well, even though my first thought is I might not be able to do that, I will give it a shot. So you're just open. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Some call it craziness. <laughs> I love that. A little bit of crazy. Crazy doesn't hurt. Crazy is necessary, especially in the sport of triathlon and doing an Ironman. Most people in this world think that is a crazy feat. What's the longest triathlon you've done? My first triathlon, which is a half Ironman. I, I love that that's your first triathlon. Oh my gosh. So where was that race and how did that go? It started with those newly found friends at the triathlon club at university. They got together and they were kind of good athletes. They got together and said, we're going to do the half Ironman, which is in Wimbledon, UK. And would you do it with us? And I said, sure, without having any idea what I'd signed up for. And, and it came about. I nearly withdrew. I really thought I couldn't do it. But then I thought I'd just go and swim. They probably have to fish me out of the pond, but... I'll see in there. <laughs> so I just breaststroked the entire way around. And then they didn't have to fish me out and I could still go and grab my bike. So I so thought I'd start cycling and probably I'll probably get to the cutoff point. But to my surprise, I continued going and no one told me how to stop. And then I thought, well, I'm at the run, so I might as well start running or crawling or walking or whatever comes. And I made it to the final finish line. It came as a surprise and it came as a realization. It really was a moment of knowing that at least I don't know if I could use a we here, but I tend to underestimate myself so much before even trying, before even giving up, before getting to the start line, before starting. Um, and it was a moment of understanding that never again should I say no without giving it my all. You may not realize this at this point, but you are truly setting a precedent for so many people. And I believe that there will be many women who think that they can't do something for so many reasons, be it physical or emotional or cultural. And they're going to watch you do this Ironman and you are probably not going to be first. Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> Let's but, that I com complete. <laughs> well, yeah, knowing what I know about you now, I, I truly believe in my heart that you will finish this thing no matter what it takes. And so you, that's a, that's a lot to um, hold on your shoulders is this responsibility. However, I believe that because of the way you look at the world, it would never feel like a burden to you. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Face <laughs> right now for sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I on my podcast, I I interview people who are making change in the world, and you're so in the process of making change. And right now, it's in your world, but it does have a ripple effect. So you're a humble person and you may not see yourself as a visionary, but I know you have dreams. And so I just wonder, you know, what would the future look like for you if you were to look 10 or 20 years down the road? How would the future look different? I think what I'm hoping to do right now 
is to share sports so that any person, no matter where they are in the world, no matter what the gender, no matter what the religion, no matter what the clothing choice, no matter what their values or culture, they'd be able to participate in sports and also have the privilege of of having sports in their lives. So, um, the, the best way I can put it, and I hope it makes sense. <laughs> And I really hope that in 10 years' time, none of the things I just mentioned are a barrier to sports participation, that everyone has the opportunity to participate should they wish to. And because what does sport, what do sports bring to us that they're missing out on? It's that positive energy. It's that understanding that not every day is a good day, but you still continue. It's that understanding that you may not be able to run this fast or this far or swim and cycle this far and fast, but if you persevere, if you work really hard, you'll ultimately be able to do it. And that could be translated into everything in life. It's kind of using a yogic term, Ayengar's words, um, the body is the the temple for your soul. So the stronger your body, the stronger your mind, the stronger your soul. And it just turns you into an all-round stronger person, happier, in love, really, with the world, with everything that's so beautiful around it. This is, this is at least what sports has given to me. This is that word. How do you say it? Esh. Esh. <laughs> yes. Or Asher, someone who is in love. <laughs> It's what makes your heart beat and gives meaning to your life. I love it. I love it. Being sports for me. Well, this has been such a treat. And I am going to, A, work hard to help you find a solution um, with your clothing. So we're going to work on that. We are. We're going to try to tackle that and make some changes, whether Skirt Sports can do it or if we can find another company that can can help you eliminate that barrier for women. That's, we have to do that. That's our responsibility. Um, but as you know, my, uh, this podcast is based around helping people run their worlds in a bigger and better way than they have before. So as a visionary, whether you realize you are or not, what is one piece of advice you would give to our listeners that would help them do this? There's one poem that sits very dearly to my heart, um, and it's in Persian. So I'm initially going to say the Farsi bit, and then I'll do the translation. And it says, Which means, if you seek the light within anything, within the tiniest of molecules, you will find a light that shines within it. And I think it's all about finding that light, connecting with the light within you and just falling in love with it and just going for it, <laughs> whatever it may be, be it sport, be it something else. I love that. That is amazing. Then I'm going to say, let's go for it. And uh, we will all be cheering you on come October in your debut at the Hawaii Ironman in Kona. 
Um, you're going to do great. We'll see. Time shall tell. <laughs> yeah. well, best of luck to you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. All right. Wow. What a truly awesome episode. Um, in case you didn't hear the final poem she recited, I'm going to say it again because I think it's a great reminder for all of us. She said, if you seek the light within anything, you will find a light that shines within it. All you have to do is look for it. That's my little take. <laughs> so if you want to connect with Shiz, you can find her on her website, which is listed in my show notes or on Facebook. Um, I definitely encourage you to watch her TEDx talk. This is a big deal. She is truly an elegant, eloquent, wise young woman who's inspiring so many, even though she doesn't even realize it yet. Um, so I hope you truly enjoyed the show today. And if you did, please share it with a friend and be sure to comment on my website or on my Facebook or Instagram. I really want to hear your thoughts and feedback and any suggestions you have for future guests. That's it for today. And you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. So have a great workout and I will see you next week.